there's always a backstory. How did they get to become homeless? And I'm probably my story would, be, would revolve around the fact that I'm a person that you would never pick that would become homeless. I um, grew up in a children's home. I went in when I was nine and came out when I was 17. And uh, no big deal, but um, just hate saying that. It makes me emotive. After I left, obviously there's periods where we have no support. So I had kind of that semi-type of homelessness. I actually was fortunate I got a job in the Commonwealth Bank. And that was the old days when they used to have these big tests. You know, everyone had these tests, so as long as you turned up and did the test, those were days when there was jobs, no problems. But from there I moved to Sydney just to get away from the group of people I still had tagged myself with, because they were, we were naughty boys, but these boys were naughtier than I wanted to be. Um, so I went to Sydney and worked at bank up there, and that's really what changed me, I think. So when I came back, I started doing my um, trick at night, because um, I had a job then, and... Uh, then I thought, well, if I do that, I'll go to uni. Thinking to myself, I'm going to fail. You know, I thought, you know, my first year I had to drop down to a 75% load because I couldn't cope with the mathematics side. But I just thought I'd fail. But strange enough, I got through and the second year was better and the third was better than that. And then you have to do your CPA if you're going to the accounting area. So I did that, knocked that off in 12 months. It normally takes two years. And then slowly but surely I've got a contract job here, a contract there led into another contract which then took me into the state public service um, and then down to treasury and finance and the last one being Tasmanian audit office. But I decided to leave Tasmania and I had, didn't really see a homeless issue there when I left which was, you know, I was over there for about two years. But I did meet it up there. I started seeing up in Newcastle and Queensland and I thought, oh, it's not like Tasmania. Anyway, I decided to come back because my son's in the military and um, come back because he's doing his university now. Well, did I get a shock? Because I'd come back, I had plenty of money, but I didn't have a job. Not only was, was I and other people out there competing with so many people for one property, um, if you haven't got a job, you might as well walk away and get your tent and live under a tree. So... It was a difficult situation, I must admit, uh, you know, my prior life had created resilience within myself, resilience, you know, so I could always overcome anything, and I did this time too, but I was with my younger brother, but his partner's got mental health issues, and look, no one really likes, wants you to stay there very long, so anyway, I decided to go and do some camping, which I thought was camping out at the Gnocchi Showgrounds because I'd done the camping at the state. I thought oh, I'd go out there and give myself a headspace time. I didn't realise, but it was Tent City. And um, the person that actually told me I was homeless was a nine-year-old girl. I was outside, and, uh, probably a day or so later, and this young lady came by on one of those scooters. She said, hello, mister, how are you? I said, good young lady. She looked at me and said, you homeless? I said, no. I'm not homeless, you know. So you kind of suddenly go into this world that you hadn't been in, you know, you really just didn't understand about their stories and how do they come to those things. And that's what interests me the most. How do you arrive at that situation? So um, after talking to that young lady, I thought about it later on in the day and thought, I am homeless. Quite frankly, I am. 
So anyway, I had to work out, you know, what to do and things like that. But where I was extremely fortunate um, was Peter from the Salvation Army was out there as part of, I guess, the team of those times when they were trying to clear it out. Anyway, he um, approached me and said, well, look, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to make a few phone calls and I'll, I'll try to find you a place to stay at. Sure enough, he did. And um, But it was out at Flint House, but it wasn't the place you really want to live in. But again, Peter comes through and said, oh, would you, I've got a place that's really good. Um, do you want to come and have a talk to the rental manager? Um, I said, yeah, it's fine. And he said, have you heard of Common Ground? And I said, yeah, I actually have. Because I audited this entity in its first two years. So it's quite ironic, isn't it? Here you are on a professional basis, auditing the entity that you end up living in. And it's a benchmark to me of social housing. So my period of actual homeless was short, but gee, it opened my eyes. And again, I guess it just reinforced me about, again, even though I'd grown up in children's home, how difficult it is for people to progress or go forward in life. Um, And we tend to focus on the um, rough sleepers, but they're one category. They're not not just the homeless. So, yeah, it's a real kind of catch-22 in a way, homelessness. You're at the bottom of the pile and people perceive you as such. And unless you're a person like me, you know, I can still, you know, I was still, doesn't matter what happens, I still uh, felt good about myself. So it's just a kind of funny thing. Here you are working away at the Tasmanian Ord office earning 85 grand a year, whatever it's earned, probably more now. You go and make a decision to be with your son and then he decides to come back to here and you think, oh God, Jesus, it's a circle, isn't it? I sold my house, went up. Um, and then you come to find that Society thinks you're a bum and you can't can't apply for a place because of the factors I discussed, no job, you know. I thought about, I could just turn around and say, I'll pay 12 months in in advance, but that's a dangerous thing to do. And to be honest, I don't know what I would have done without Peter's help, because where would I live? And again, I don't want to uh, kind of emphasise this, but, you know, I had developed an alcohol issue. And um, so for the last couple of years, I've just been removing that element from my life. I couldn't go back in the workforce. I'd come to the stage the last couple of years of drinking all the time. You can't do that in the workforce. They pick it up, you know, and stuff like that or whatever it may be. So I wanted to fix that area, which I have. But um, it really when I went up to Newcastle, my son said, listen, Dad, I want you to go because you're still drinking. You said you weren't going to drink. And so he put it right on me. Again, it was mainly because of Peter from the Salvation Home. He was there, used to take me to the doctors. I had to go to hospital. I was in hospital twice, I think. And we won't go into great details, but I was talking about my GP about it once. And she said, uh, you should have died. You should be dead. I went, like that, was it? She said, yeah. You know, so it was quite serious. But he, um, he got me into that course. So again, the turning point was really this thing where you got this third party... Um, that will may monitor you so you don't drink. But yeah, so that's how I dealt with it. And, you know, it takes a couple of years. So if I looked at an achievement, it would be actually getting it under grip because that's been hanging around for donkey's years. You know what I mean? I can say it really didn't impact him, but it did. And it obviously 
cause issues at work because, you know, if you're stressed, you're depression and all that, and then you get hit with seven days a week, you try to, you know, they try to squeeze every drop out of you. Well, you're looking for something there, you know, something immediate, and alcohol or drugs will give it to you immediately. All I knew, and not my, even before I went to children's home, we lived a pretty, pretty average type of life. What you've got to do is get up every day and think, shit, it's a new day, I'm going to do something. And I try to be constructive in my own manner. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, I just do something constructive. You know, I've done something for the day. I'm an honest person. I've got empathy and care for people, but you, you do get bitten on the ass as life goes by about doing that. But yeah, honest, caring, I'm always a good worker, a good workhorse as such. Um, I've got a fine young man, so couldn't have been too bad a father. Um, and the commitment you should make to your child, you know. Um, if you have a child, that should be your prime responsibility. Now, I was fortunate, you know, like when I'm... He's older now, he's 25, he's doing well at uni, you know, and all this. He's got all these great qualities, you know. So, do I feel proud of that? Well, I do, but I tend to view he's done it for some strange reason. I don't really... Um, he may say the difference, but, you know... When you have an alcohol addiction, it's never violent or aggressive like I grew up with because my mother was a drinker and her parents were drinkers. She grew up in the children's home of the world. You know, so it's this kind of um, cycle. And Peter from the Salvation Army picked it up one day we were talking because we used to talk a bit. And he turned around and he said, you've broken the cycle, haven't you? I said, yeah, Pete, spot on. The cycle's been broken. You know, so... I don't mind what's happened to me as long as it didn't impact upon negatively upon my son, and it hasn't. So. I think what happens if you go through periods of adversity or period of adversity that can change you radically where, again, because of my past, from the past, one thing that came up was resilience. So I'd kind of been through a bit of a hard time then. So it kind of prepares you, in a way. And so sleeping in the tent didn't worry me. The lack of security did. And I don't know, I'm probably a little bit... Um, I think you just keep on going. You know, you don't give in. I feel good about the drinking, that I've got a grip on that. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, obviously it's going to cause issues with you. It doesn't matter what happens in life. But um, now, to how do I feel about myself? Probably very similar than what I've always felt like. You still, you may call it lack of confidence, but it's kind of like that. Or a lack of giving you, acknowledging your own um, the achievements you have made. I, I, I tend not to talk about things too much, but um, again, it's this issue about people look at people being homeless. Where did that story begin? Was it because they were uh, poorly treated, like most of the kids I grew up in the home? Most of them poorly treated. 
I think probably what makes you happy is, in my own view, is um, your family life. You know, you can survive anything in life. Yeah, so it's worked out for right for me, and it's very good at common ground. I think it's a benchmark social housing um, entity, and we'll just see what happens from now on, eh?